This class is about Yom Kippur. Memory of Yechezkel ben Shmuel. Then, um, from the Shabbat after Rosh Hashanah, it's called Shabbat Shuvah. Why it's called Shabbat Shuvah? First of all, because it's the 10 days of Shuvah, 10 days of repentance. From Rosh Hashanah, from, including Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, there is exactly 10 days. They're called the den, 10 days of repentance. Then Shabbat in between is the Shabbos of repentance. But more than that, the Aftorah is about repentance. And started the word Shuvah Israel, return Israel. Then the whole Shabbat is named after the Aftorah. Then the Aftorah is, 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 is started the word Shuvah, to return. Then uh, we will, there is, what you're going to learn about three Aftorahs, we'll compare them if you want. We'll, learn, we'll come to a very interesting point. But he started the Aftorah of Shabbat Shuvah. The Aftorah was given by the prophet Oshea. Oshea was a prophet. He was by the end of the kingdom of Israel. The kingdom of Israel was finished how long before the kingdom of Judah? A hundred years. More. At least a hundred years. But yeah, I think a hundred years before, before the destruction of the first temple. They were exiled first, and, 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 and only after that, a hundred years later, was the destruction of the temple. There were two kingdoms, as you mentioned a few times in the classes. The kingdom of Judah was Jerusalem and around it, and the kingdom of Israel was the rest of Israel. They were prophets who were for the kingdom of Israel and the prophets of the kingdom of Judah. Not always they were both places. Then Oshea was a, a prophet in the kingdom of Israel. He was before the, before the exile of the ten tribes, before they were dismantled, if you want. And he's trying to inspire them to come back to God. That was the whole job of the prophets, to remind the Jews to go back to God. To remind us. Then let's read, let's start source number one. That's the Torah of Shabbat before Yom Kippur. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled in your iniquity. Take words with you. You have stumbled. Just a mistake. We stumbled. We didn't want to. We are good people. We tried to do the best. But we stumble from time to time. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say, you shall forgive all iniquity and teach us the good way. Instead of bulls, we will pay with the offering of our lips. Basically, what means instead of bulls? Okay, read the, read the commentary. Metsudas uh, David. Take words with you. God says, I am not asking for sacrifices and offerings. Rather, take the words with you. With your confessions, return to God. Here, God says, I don't need... People think they bring a bowl to the temple. They're taking care of themselves. Oh, they're good. It's, it's not about the bowls. God says, I need you. I need your attention. It's almost like you want to buy your wife a present. You buy her a present and she says, I don't need your present. I need you here. Don't run away and buy me a present. Be here. I need your attention. God says, I need you. I need your attention. I know, I know I'm going to get from him this comment. Let's see him. He's a big talker when his wife is sitting here. They don't return the gift. You see, this is the lips. It's like, don't give me... We usually say, don't give me lip service. Just do what you need to do. That's yeah, it. but this will get to it. It's interesting what you say. We'll get to it. I mean, instead of bulls, our lips. Meaning, instead of the bulls brought for sacrifice, you should pay with your lips. Confession. Confession. A big part of, of repentance is confession. You know, why? what's so hard about apologizing? People have a very hard time about apologizing. Admitting that you're wrong. Admit your guilt. <laughs> no. Even if you know that you're wrong. 
but you to say it, it's very painful. To say it even to yourself, it's painful. Because as long as you didn't say it, in your, in your back of your mind, you think you didn't do it. When you actually say it, it becomes real. Then that's what confession is all about. That's why we say during Yom Kippur, Hashamno, Bagad, Natal. I think 11 times we say Hashamno. And we say the the um, for the for the for the sin for the sin with the confession. I'll hate the whole. I'll hate because it's hard to say it. That's that's what's so hard about about apologizing. What's called confession? Apologizing to God with words. The words words are coming from a deeper place than your thoughts. We know when you see it. You you think about your child. You know your child is out of town. Raises. Then you sp- start to speak about your child. You get all worked up, all in- emotional and this. You were just thinking about them in your mind for an hour. You didn't get teared up. In- what happened? It means when you speak about it, you, you touch a deeper sub-part of your soul that you, than, than, than your thoughts. Dibu, words are coming from a deeper place of you than, than, than your thoughts. That's why when you say your confession, is, it comes from a different place, from a much closer place to your soul, to, to your neshama, to God, basically. Isn't it in part when we do the Amida, where we're supposed to sort of mouth, say, sort of yeah, yeah, and, and, to, to say everything, because in Judaism, we don't just, you know, you don't read it with your eyes. I give people the seed there, or the mouth, and I said, tell me, mm-hmm. he read it, I told him, no, <laughs> say it! It's, no, an, it's an action. It's an act, because, because you, talk, you connect to another deeper level. Okay, number, source number two. Now, the next Aftorah is the Aftorah of Yom Kippur morning. Basically, we build up the idea of Tshuva. You start a Shabbat Tshuva, then there is Aftorah, Yom Kippur morning, then there's Aftorah, Yom Kippur afternoon. Yom Kippur service in the morning, that's a different Aftorah from the book of Isaiah. The famous prophet Isaiah. Go Isaiah, ahead. Isaiah, is this a fast? Uh, yet they seek me daily, eager to learn my ways. Like a nation that does what is right, that has not abandoned the laws of its God. They ask me for the right way. They are eager for the nearness of God. Why have we fasted and did, uh, and you did not see? We have afflicted our soul and you do not know? The Jewish people are complaining to God. We are fasting. We are afflicting ourselves. Young people, we're supposed to afflict ourselves. You know, afflict ourselves, I afflict ourselves, that the rabbis told us, because it's, it's not written in the Bible to fast. It's written to afflict ourselves. Inui. Inui means affl- affliction. I afflict yourself. The rabbis told us not to eat, not to drink, not to have relations, not to wear leather shoes, and not to anoint ourselves, basically, and to take showers. But, I mean, we cannot choose, we don't choose what affliction is. And people come and say they, want, they, don't, they invite the mother-in-law to the house. I mean... <laughs> Then, then affliction, the Talmud tells us out of affliction to invite your mother in law. Yeah, I mean, it would be <laughs> to some people. I mean, not my mother in law, God forbid, but <laughs> some mother. None of ours. None of us. Yeah. Then, I'm, uh, I'm pleading the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> then, the point is, he says, we are complaining to God. He says, we, are try, we want to get closer to you. We are fasting. We are afflicting ourselves. Why it doesn't go? Behold. Behold, on the day of your fast, you pursue business, and from all of your debtors, you exact payment. Ah, it's lip service. You're not nice to your brothers. You're collecting money. You're fasting, 
and you're and you're and you're pursuing business, you're you're holding your indebtedness. You pull out the payments. Continue. Behold, for quarrel and strife you fast, and to strike with a fist of wickedness. Do not fast like this day to make your voice heard on high. You're thinking you're going to fast and you do a shamdu bagadnu and that's it, and you'll be evil to your brothers and your sisters. You'll be mean to to the poor. Then he tells us what fast is all about. Continue. Will such be the fast I will choose, a day of man's afflicting his soul? Is it to bend his head like a fishhook and lay in sackcloth with ashes? Will you call this a fast and a favorable day to the Lord? I need you to to put on a sackcloth and fasting and, 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 and be righteous to me, and you are not nice to each other? I don't need such a fast. This is a very socialist of Torah. Continue. Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead. Me? Phil, you want to continue? Sure. This is the fast I choose, to undo the fetters of wickedness, to untie the bands of perversity, and to let out the oppressed free, and all perversity you shall eliminate. It is to share your bread with the hungry, and the wretched poor you shall bring home. When you see a naked one, you shall clothe him, and from your own you shall not hide. Okay, then the first of Torah is telling you we don't need balls. We need your words. The second of Torah takes it to a higher level. We don't, need, we don't need your words. We need your action. The last one was a socialist uh, approach. Absolutely. <laughs> Dressing the naked, feeding the poor. Everything in the, to- everything in the world has a place in the Torah. No, the point, I mean, I don't think it's a good Not- idea to, to uh, take him home. I've... I mean, I, I know it's a meaning. Take, take him home, home missing, to take care, to help. Yeah, you know, it's not, not your home. Not Give him, him a life. home. Give him a place. There's poor people, sick people, sad people, poor. We have to take care of them. Not everybody can take care of himself. We need mercy. We need love. That's what Hashem wants from us. Unless this poor doesn't want to work. Yes, and the, he wants to get to your home. I know, I know. Shine, shine, shine. <laughs> We're talking about the regular, regular poor man. Then, so, continue, the next line. Then your light shall break forth as the dawn, and your healing shall quickly sprout, and your righteousness shall go forth before you. The glory of the Lord shall rally you in. Okay, then here, Isaiah took it to a higher level. Hosea speaks, don't bring sacrifices, pray to God. Isaiah says, I don't need your prayers and your fasting. Not I don't need. Your prayers and your fasting are meaningless. If you don't change your ways, if you don't treat your wife nicely, we don't need to, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You don't say I'm sorry a thousand times and then you're behaving as bad as yesterday, the same thing. Your I'm sorry is worthless. That's what they're saying. Now, Hasidus takes this line on a deeper level. Dress the, the, the poor, the hungry. Who are the hungry? There is spiritual hungry people. People are, are um, Starved spiritually. They never learned Torah. They never saw Jewish education. They never know anything. Then the God says to the prophet, tells the Jewish people, know and learn and go out. Feed them. What means feed them? Feed them, dress them. How you feed spiritually? When you teach somebody Torah, it's like food. Food, food you eat it, you go away with it. You walk away with it. It's spiritual food. What means to dress them? To put a mitzvah on them. And you put some film on them. It's a mitzvah. It's a dress. It's a spiritual dress. Feed them, you see naked people in the street, spiritually naked. Dress them, feed them, take care of them. 
Don't say as long as I'm righteous, as I'm a tzaddik, I daven a whole day, that's good enough. God says, if you don't take care of the poor, of the spiritually poor, thank God today we're in a world there is not too many physically, I mean, materially poor people. There is always a little bit from the Jewish community. But that's not the emergency. That's not the crisis. The crisis is the spiritually poor. And we have to go out and to feed them. That sounds better. Absolutely. Aren't they reflections of each other in some way? What do you mean? The 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 physical and the spiritual sort of bounce back back on each other? There is many physically very rich and spiritually very poor. And the opposite. M- Mr. Yeah. Sims, he found an arrow here. Where it says, yeah. Poor, you shall bring him home. It should be sell- it should bring him home at your ma- uh, Martha Vineyard uh, house. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> we are not speaking he politics. Found it. He found it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Okay. <laughs> Continue, uh, Phil. Now we're going to the next Aftorah. That there is Aftorah of Shabbat Shuvah from Hosea, who speaks about not, we don't need your access in the temple, we need your words, we need your prayers, we need your connection. The Torah from Isaiah who says, I don't even need your connection, there is no real connection if you don't leave, if you don't show it with action, if you don't, if you don't prove it with your action. And then there is Torah from Yonah, Shabbos and Yom Kippur afternoon, when we are already like a F, uh, <laughs> Uh, so angry and tired and schwach and krechzing and this. <laughs> then comes the story of Jonah, that you should think you take it on a higher level. What's the story of Jonah? Go ahead. And the word of God came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim upon it the proclamation that I speak to you. And Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of God. Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a walk of three days. Well, Nineveh was the biggest city and was the arch enemy of the Jewish people. And God is telling Jonah to go to Nineveh, to Jonah, to go to Nineveh to save the city. Jonah didn't want to save the city. It was like Berlin in 1940. Why should they save the city? They want to destroy Israel. God told them, go, give him the chance. He tried to run away from God. He was in the well, the whole story. Now it's already after, after, after he recovered from the well. Now he's, going, he's doing what Hashem wants from him. Go ahead. Jonah. Jonah commenced to come into the city one day's walk. He then proclaimed and said, In another 40 days, Nineveh shall be overturned. He said uh, an official statement. It wasn't, if you don't do tshuva, Nineveh will be destroyed. He just told them. A fact. It was already, the ruling was already made. God made the ruling, Jonah, uh, Nineveh will be destroyed. Continue. And the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they proclaimed a fast and donned this sackcloth, great and small alike. Everybody put on sackcloth, even young kids, and they all fasting, and they prayed to God. They believed in God. Continue. And the word reached the king of Nineveh, whereupon he rose from the king of Nineveh did the same thing too. When you hear that a Jewish prophet showed up from Israel, from Jerusalem, and he says that in 40 days Nineveh will be destroyed, overturned, he took it seriously. He knew the mean business. It was a memo he wanted to, you know, he better listen to it. Yeah, but he had relatives. 
So, what do you mean? He was related to the Pharaoh. He was, it's a generations before he was, uh, he was a... But he knew that. Yeah, that he knew that God means business, absolutely, yeah. yes. Continue. And he had it proclaimed and published through in, in, uh, uh, by the counsel of the king and his nobles. Neither man, nor beast, neither cattle, nor sheep shall taste anything. They shall not graze, neither shall they drink water. They made also the animals first. That was a cool thing. They kind of forced God to forgive them. I said, if we die, they die with us. Hmm. The animals never sing. How you can do that? To do not let them... They were, not to, uh, they were uh, evil. That's the, what I'm saying. You close, you close the mouth, your muzzles. Don't give them water. Man. Yeah, there is ways no. to do it. Do he it. said, he basically forced God to, rep- uh, to forgive the people of Nineveh because of the animals. That's what he did. Hmm. That's what he did. Go ahead. These other nations back then, what was their thinking about God? There were many gods. So they thought that the God, the God of the Hebrews, was just a God among. It was. It was. It, they know. They know that you know, like everybody else, deep down, no, there is no, there is no atheist in the foxhole. You know, understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They know that short. I mean, when you when it comes when Jonah shows up and says, "Guys, in forty days it's overturned." According to the Medrash, the king of Nineveh was Pharaoh. If he was the real Pharaoh or the grandchild of Pharaoh, the point is, he knew the story from Egypt. Mm-hmm. And he knew that you don't mess around with God of Israel. And if he tells you to do it, you better do something. But even this, when they returned to God, they, put a, they, put, do it, do, they did it in such a way that will force them to do it. In an evil way. Even the returning to God was evil. They basically returned to God. Everybody who owed money, who stole money from others, they returned mm-hmm. God. They knew what God wants from them. They just look what human beings are. Jonah just showed up and said, in 40 days that the city is overturned, they know exactly what they need to do. Nobody needs an example. What should, what should they do? Everybody knows what he needs to do. It's like you tell your children, shape up. He says, what they did wrong? He says, don't, don't make me tell you. You know. Everybody knows right from wrong, naturally, by birth. Go ahead. That they basically returned the money, all the stealing the dead in their hand. They returned from the evil behavior. They said, let's return from our beds and God will save us. And, and God saw their deeds they, uh, that they had, repented of their evil ways, and he relented from the evil. He had said to them, uh, to do to them, and uh, he did not carry it out. Okay, then God saw that they, they, they returned. Rabbi, you said a phrase which is kind of like not boring, but I'm not sure. Everyone knows deep down from the birth what is right, what is wrong. I thought it's totally kind of like um, contrary to this. Like the whole our life, we're trying to get better. We're trying to fight our animal urges. But we know you're right. You're right. Hold on, but that animal, that means if we're trying kind of just like 
um, um, stronger can uh, eat a weaker one that which animals a principle you know kind of things um, th that's a difference between us and animals but you say the person born bo yeah I mean but that's that's what, what I'm saying is let's say somebody says nobody ever told me I'm not allowed to kill is this a good excuse in court you think hmm. ignorance right that, no that's ex that's a great uh, interesting question because without commandment uh, where it's coming from you know it's a very well-known like thing um, one of the previous uh, like how you know that killing is wrong you know exactly because um, uh, in the real uh, world killing is fine it was always uh, through the centuries from from the beginning of the world uh, stronger killing weaker one so the only for the humans it comes from God because God said okay but killing. but I'm asking you that you need to tell a child that killing is a bad thing or you think he knows it naturally I think you need to tell him absolutely. If not, he wouldn't know that. If 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 child will if will no, not be taught, the child will, will uh, think, will kick think someone. Yeah, and then and he will think it's the right thing to do. He would not even know it. The, no, 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 no. I don't young, think so. They don't. Uh, I don't think so. Michael, you're completely wrong. If you, okay, if I'm completely wrong. Thank you. I mean, if you were to go into any kind of to train to be a fighter of some sort, you know, and you stand in front of another person, you have to retrain. Your brain and some people can't even overcome this block to hit another person. You're talking, exactly. you're talking about an adult. What even, are you talking about? Child, no, even, that's why that's a learning comes from. That's a that's that's you are completely wrong, my friend. Okay, that's okay. I, I think I think that naturally, in general, for sure they do, they can justify every bad behavior. Yeah, I agree with you. We can justify, we can say that the, the stronger taking eating the, the weaker. We can justify every bad behavior on earth, but that doesn't mean we don't know the when, truth. When two little ones, few months, uh, like six months, uh, one year, they don't know that. You tell a uh, uh, bigger one, hey, don't hit him over the head. You can uh, hurt him, you can kill him. You tell him uh, this Because uh, child, he doesn't you know? know that he's killing him, but if he would know that he can kill him, he wouldn't do that, it. That's my point. Be, no, you you, it's not no, in, so. inside of the human. It's like, in, what you say oh, is like telling a child, don't touch the fire, it might get burned. Then it's not a moral issue here, he just doesn't know. But the moment he will know, he will not touch the fire. The same thing is about hurting somebody else and because he doesn't know that he's hurting him. The moment you tell him you're hurting the person, you don't have to educate him that hurting is a bad thing. That's what I'm saying. But you have to tell him, you have to teach him. Just this. like fire. Just like some, fire. Some kids stick their finger in a fire just because they don't understand when you say that you get hurt. That's, finger that's, in it. It's not a moral problem. That's, that's, he's not smart enough, he's no, not I'm developed saying. enough. But on the other hand, the moment he knows that this is fire will burn him, the moment he knows that the throwing something on a friend will hurt, he will not do it. This, the feeling for this is he has it naturally. So, I, I'll tell you, like, I actually, when I stop and think about it, I'm amazed. As atrocious as the world can be at times, I'm amazed that we haven't torn ourselves apart more than we have. And you think about, like, sort of cultures that don't have Judeo-Christian values and the like, and... and some way, somehow, they're managing not to completely eat themselves. And I think that sort of proves because Rabbi's point. Because there's an inherent point. Yeah. understanding. Yeah. Right. I, I think it proves Rabbi's point. And, yeah. and if you do want to hurt another person, you have to 
uh, reprogram your brain that this is somebody, this is not us, this is them, or us versus them. Yeah, but, only the, then you but can, this takes because, you can, but you're right. Only then you can hurt somebody. You can't, uh, you can't hurt anybody unless, and even if you get a dog and you just raise them, they will not just bite for no reason. They will bite only if you Animals are them. different. It's animals are different. Animals, animals are different. No, no, you're taking, don't compare human beings to animals. Animals do not, animals walk by, walk by in- instincts. Human beings have feelings and have understanding, and the human being instinct is different than the animal instinct. And we, naturally, we know the right, the, in general, what's right from wrong. For sure, in, in, the, in the little things, it's very hard to this, and the people can convince themselves that they did that for survival, and they did excuses we have from here until tomorrow. But it doesn't mean we don't know. There's many, many instances when uh all sorts of animals and, and mammals have uh, uh, empathy. You know, it's, oh, you don't on. have to, they, they, they do know right from wrong. No. 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 That's no. And they, they should, they have sometimes empathy, but, but it's not knowing right from wrong. They don't have this, this conscience of right and wrong. They eat animals apart each other. I mean, some animals live by eating up other animals, right? Yeah, you can think your you, animal is smartest in the world, but uh, it's all No, toys. it's not. And human animals are not like human beings at all. How does this yeah. relate to Cain and Abel? You know, Cain and Abel, Cain killed Abel. Then he should be deserving death. One second, one second. Yeah, we know. One second, one second. Oh, yeah. One second, he should deserve death. What God did? God, did God, God kill him? What God did to him? He said he did not know. He did not know. Right. What? what? You know what he did? No. That's proving my point. No. Yes. You don't get it. Listen for a minute. You know what he did not know? He did not know that there is such a concept of killing somebody. He, did, he said, I, I wanted to hurt him, but I didn't know they, they, they will die. He never knew the concept of death. Terminal. Terminal. Not that he didn't know that death is the wrong thing to do. He didn't know that there is but, such a thing to kill somebody. But I didn't say. I said we are learning from our childhood. That was my... Because you were no, pointing at the... Point of the birth, the person born, he already knows, and I'm saying that's not the case. He he did not know. Then he learned, and someone else learned. After okay, this. let's clarify it. There is not knowing the information, and there is not knowing if it's right or wrong. If you not know the information, you have to teach somebody. Then when you teach him the information, right and wrong, he knows on his own. Okay, thank you. <laughs> okay, let's learn. If not, we'll never learn. <laughs> we learn. Okay. Um, Sims. Um, where are we? Top of six? Yes, please. Yeah. Uh, regarding the repentance of the people of Nineveh, which was the purpose of their fasting and tearing of their clothes, etc., there's a broader question that needs to be addressed. What is the relationship of non-Jews with the concept of repentance? Repentance is higher than Torah and mitzvot, as is evident from the fact that nothing... You see, repentance is a mitzvah. Just as a mitzvah to light candles, just as a mitzvah to put on film, there is a mitzvah to repent. Re- mitzvahs are something alone. Mitzvahs are, uh, um, are um, uh, Ed, you want to give yes. his wife to sit next to him? It's okay, it's okay. You just had a whole show with your husband. You missed it in a second. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I can't it every day. Sorry. <laughs> it's being recorded. That's good. It was very good. Yeah, you have to pay for it. <laughs> You'll have to treat it. I'll think about it. Mm. <laughs> then, then um, me, the tshuva is a mitzvah. Is a, is a, 
And if the, uh, for non-Jews, there is only seven Noachite laws, laws that between men and men that keeps the world a civilized place. Mitzvah to men and God is something that for the Jewish people. Then if we, we, how it comes, the whole idea of tshuva we learn from where? From the story of Nineveh, a story that non-Jews repented. Why is this story coming? We read on Yom Kippur in the evening by the, by the peak of Yom Kippur. But the climax of Yom Kippur, if you want. That's a question. Continue. Repentance is higher than Torah and Mitzvot is evident from the fact that nothing can stand in the way of repentance. Repentance is able to atone for and rectify any transgressions of positive and negative commandments. Since rectification can only be accomplished by something that is greater and stronger than the damaged matter, it is clear that repentance has greater power than a regular positive or negative commandment. You see, what is to rectify? To rectify something, let's think, what comes, from where comes forgiveness in you? Your child is doing something that is insulting you. But you're bigger than that. And you forgive him. Because you're greater than that. That every mitzvah I do for good deed, I, I get reward for a bad deed, God is upset with me. Then tshuva, repentance, is to touch in a place of God that is bigger than that. Greater than the, where a regular mitzvah reaches. Then it means tshuva is even, if they do not have connections to regular Torah and mitzvot, do they, have, do they reach to the point of repentance with an even higher level? That's really what they're trying to explain. Um, you want to continue? You came at the right time. <laughs> but. Um, how was repentance effective in Nineveh? Regarding all of the mitzvot, the Torah states, God tells his words to Jacob, his statutes and his um, judgments to Israel. Uh, this means that they are given to the Jewish people only. As the verse continues, he did not do so to any of the nations. Not only are Torah and Mitzvot not beneficial for non-Jews, they are even um, cautioned against observing them. Seemingly, this should be all the more true regarding the Mitzvah of repentance, which is ever higher than the other Mitzvot. Yet, nevertheless, the repentance of the people of Nineveh was so effective that it was even able to revoke a decree that had already been sealed. See, the Ninve, it was already a decree. It didn't come to tell him, if you will not do tshuva, Ninve will be overturned. He told them a statement. Ninve is going to be overturned in 40 days. And still, they were, their prayers, of the, their repentance of the non-Jewish community was so effective that they could undo a sealed uh, ruling, uh, judgment. It says... Uh Torah Mitzvot not beneficial for non-Jews? They even caution against observing them? I mean, oh, for them who are living they, there? Oh. No, no, no. Non-Jews are not doing Torah Mitzvot. They're not allowed to. A non-Jew cannot put on film, you understand, for example? Okay. And they're not allowed to. It's, but a, it's not between the all Jewish. the Mitzvot uh, to, to this level. A Mitzvot like just to do some good As I stuff. said, Mitzvot between men and men, everybody is obligated. Okay, but okay, Mitzvot okay. between men and God, like oh, saying okay. the blessing over the lulav and putting on film and lighting candles and all of these mitzvahs, this is between Jews and God. Okay. Yeah, go ahead, I'm sorry. So much so that in the time of Esther, when the Jewish people questioned whether repentance could still help them once the decree had already been sealed, they learned from the story of Nineveh that uh, repentance is always effective. 
In the story of Esther, in the story of the Megillah, and the, 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 it was already, the, the decree was sealed already, down by Yechashverosh, and that was a reflection that it was sealed already by God. And they taught themselves it's over. They took courage from the story of Ninveh to repent, to pray to God, because they knew that he can even, even a, a decree that still can be turned over. And that's what they did in, in what word Mordechai did. He put on sackcloth. We really learned to, to put on the sackcloth from the story of Ninveh. Hmm. And he learned from the Nanjos that how is this working? That the Nanjos have more power than the Jews. What, what type of, what, what's going on here? What should we have? What kind of repentance we have? What kind of repentance they do? That's the discussion. Please continue. Hmm. Why do we mention the repentance at Nineveh at the high point of the Yom Kippur service? That's most surprising is association of the repentance of Nineveh with Yom Kippur service. Yom Kippur follows 40 days devoted to repentance in the month of Elul, Rosh Hashanah, and subsequent 10 days of repentance, and then Yom Kippur Eve. Over the course of this entire period, we constantly ascend to our repentance work. You see, it's a whole climbing it's like going climbing the mountain. It's like a graph, climbing up the graph. We are we starting Rosh Chodesh Elul, a whole month of doing tshuva. We blow the shofar. Then it's Slichot. We last night we started Slichot at the beginning. Then comes Rosh Hashanah. Then comes the 10th day of tshuva. Then the Yom Kippur, we have Kol Nidre in the morning. And in the afternoon, what is the highest level? A minute before we, we blow the shofar by the end of Yom Kippur. That's what, he, that's what he's wondering. Continue. We then arrive at Yom Kippur itself on which we pray five times, and each prayer represents a new level of repentance. And at the conclusion of Yom Kippur, we need to read something from the prophets of the theme of repentance. We specifically read about the repentance of Ninveh. The books of the prophets and writings from which... We read about Ninveh, that's a question. You understand? He says, we're reading, we're learning. There is so many stories in the prophets of, of, of uh, repentance. Then when we come to the highest level of Yom Kippur, we take the example from a non-Jewish community. That's mm. what they need. We couldn't find something better, so to speak. Go ahead. The books of the prophets and writings from which the Haftorah must be selected contains a number of chapters and discuss repentance in the context of Jews. Indeed, on the Shabbat preceding Yom Kippur, the Haftorah of Return Israel is read, and the Haftorah of Yom Kippur morning also discusses repentance practiced by Jews. Yet, when we reach Haftorah of the high point of the day, we mention specifically the repentance of Ninveh. That's the question. We had the Haftorah from Shabbat Shuvah, we speak about Yeshua Israel, return Israel, we don't need your sacrifices, we need your confession. Then we speak about, you don't need, it's not enough, your fasting. It's all about the Jewish discussion. Then we go, we bring a story from Jonah, he went to Ninveh, they made the animals starve. That's, that's what we should, I mean, why from there? That's a question. Why this level, why when we come to the climax of Yom Kippur, we have to borrow, we have to learn a lesson of tshuva from a non-Jewish uh, people who practice the idea of repentance. So far, the question. Okay, Rab, maybe you'll tell us the answer. <laughs> Two levels of repentance. Ah, to level of repentance. In order to understand this, we need to distinguish between two elements of repentance, affecting the future, A, affecting the future, and B, rectifying the past. From now on, there is one element of repentance that causes a person to be regarded. 
from the moment of repentance on as an upright and even righteous person. Although he has previously been classified as wicked, a status that has ramifications regarding his reliability as a witness and in other areas, since he has repented, he is now he is from now on trusted regarding all such matters. See, there is a repentance. I want to fix it from now. Let's say you got a ticket by the policeman because I'm not stopping in a stop sign. You go to court, you this, you fix it, shine. You're forgiven, can go, can take your own license and go and, and continue to drive. That you fixed, you fixed the problem. Right? That's good enough, right? You don't need anything more than that. But then there is another situation. You insulted your wife, God forbid. Hmm. Now you come and say, I'm sorry, from now on I'll pay my, my dues, pay my, uh, pay my ticket. No, 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 no. Not good enough. Hmm. You have to undo what you did. If you, you want a you see with the policeman, you're not looking for a relationship. You want to continue to drive. You're not looking, he should love you. Not the judge, not the policeman, nothing. In a relationship, this is not good enough. It's not only, oh, I'm, I'm clear, I can go on. I had a relationship here and I damaged it and I'm now trying to fix it. Now I need to bring flowers <laughs> and I need to say I'm sorry every morning and every afternoon <laughs> and every evening again. And I have to, I have to, what more than everything, to rebuild the relationship, the trust, the love. This is an all different level. And that's the second level, what you're talking about. I said, like, earrings will always do this, you know? <laughs> you think? <laughs> he knows better. <laughs> he pretends. No, I don't, yeah, absolutely pretends. <laughs> Go ahead, continue. Re rectifying. That's what I'm saying. That sounds good. <laughs> How many earrings you should have, right? <laughs> that will be enough. Not from you. <laughs> I don't know. When I get pulled over, I usually offer the policeman an earring. <laughs> <laughs> Nowadays, you, you will have time right. You know? uh, rectifying the past. But there is also a higher level of repentance in which the sin is retroactively uprooted to the extent that the person is pleasant and beloved in God's eyes as, he, as if he has never transgressed. Such a penitent receives great reward in the place where he stands. Even completely righteous people cannot stand. This shows that the person has no residual stain whatsoever. This is, the, the second level is, I want to undo what I did. Not only from now on, God will forgive you, you get, you get a good deal. I want, I, I sinned, I hurt God, I, hurt, I insulted them, I ruined my relationship. I used to have with God an amazing relationship. Now, yeah, he will not punish me, fine, go, have a nice day, goodbye. You have a friend, you had a great relationship with him. Then you hurt him, you, you, you distrust him, you lost his trust, you said, gave out a secret, and he was very disappointed. Then you come and say, I'm sorry, he tells you no problem, sorry. But a relationship will never be the same. It's over. Now you want to undo it. You want to rebuild the relationship that you re re gain his trust again. For this, you have to work very, very hard to gain his trust. That's the difference between the Ninve relation, uh, repentance and the Jewish repentance. It's not only the Ninve repentance is ahead from now on. God forgive them, he changed the rule. Ninveh is not overturned, they moved on with life. God likes us, doesn't like it, too bad. We, don't, we never had a relationship with, to begin with. The Jewish people, that's not enough for them. We are married to God. 
We, need, we want a relationship with God. Not just we don't want to be punished. Not just we want a good ear. We want a relationship with God. That's what it's all about. And it's a big difference between these two, these two levels of tshuva, of repentance. Continue. Next page. This is, also, this is also evident from the name of the Torah gives to the mitzvah of repentance, tshuva. The meaning of the word tshuva is return, referring to something that... The word of tshuva, the tr- translation for tshuva is not repentance. Repentance means I, I try to, re- to regret, to refix. Tshuva means to return. I started by God. I got lost. I'm coming back. Coming back home. That's what, re- that's what tshuva is. And therefore tshuva is not that people say, oh, I didn't sin this year. First of all, let me know who is this guy. But <laughs> let's say he didn't sin. It's about coming back closer to God. It's nothing to do with, with how many sins I did or I didn't. Isn't that the same as the word shuva that we started this with? And that's that's no, we talk about the word shuva. This is a T in front of It's the same thing. Okay. The meaning of the word shuva is return, referring to something that has left its place and is now being returned there. This can only be said about the past, that the person strayed from God's path with regards to a particular matter and ended up in an only unholy place. And the effect of repentance is to remove the person from there and return him to his place. Now, returning to his place, this is now, he has to undo, you know, the whole idea of sacrifices. We spoke before, God doesn't want your ball, your, your sacrifice, because sacrifice comes after I, re- I repented, after I regretted, after I changed my ways. Then I bring a sacrifice, it's like the earring, it's like the flowers. But you cannot do that. That's what, what is Isaiah telling the Jews? He says, you're bringing balls. Oshea comes and tells the Jews, you're bringing balls, and you're not even saying, I'm sorry? One level. Then Isaiah says, you're going to say, I'm sorry, and continue to do the same thing, and you, do, you, think, you think you're fixing your relationship? First of all, we have to, tshuva means turning around. Like we said, it's returning, right? You get lost on the highway. You make the... You turn you, the complete circle. You turn around, you find your way back. The moment you turn around on the highway, you're already on the, on, the, on the road to the right direction. You're not there yet, but you made your turning point. You turned around. You found your mistake, you turned around. Then number one, I have to turn around my ways. I have to change my ways. Then, then I can start to talk to God about fixing the past. First of all, stop. What you do, you're doing wrong. Stop. Stop right now, this second. And start to do. That's the basic level of tshuva. I change my ways. Tshuva is, from this moment, I will not do it. Then, but then there is still a lot of smoke. There is a lot of uh, baggage. There's bad history we need to fix. Then comes the idea of prayers and the idea of fasting. is to fix the past. Then, then there is the idea of bringing a sacrifice, of doing extra, extra good, going the extra mile. But the, the first level is changing the ways. That was Ninve. Changing the ways. They stopped. They, did, they stopped. Then they, it's all fixing. Then the two levels, that's what you are talking about. Continue. Can I ask a question? Please. So repentance comes before sacrifice. So when Much you, before. Yeah, so when you're talking about a, a sin offering, like the sacrifice of an animal, what, what is, why... Like, I had always understood part of the reason for animal sacrifice is you see this animal dying for your sin, and it, you know, leaves it's, an impression. It's, no, I'll tell you. Number one, you stop your wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. 
Now you have to repent for the past. A person feels good. I don't do it anymore. What do you want from me? You did, Wachan. Yeah. And for this you have to do tshuva. And even when, and what was the confession? When you used to bring a sacrifice to the temple, a sin offering, you had to put your hand on the, around the head of the, like the, between the, the horns or on the neck of the, of the animal, and you have to confess, confess all your sin. And, uh, and uh, you had to say with words that you did wrong. And all of this was a process of tshuva undoing the past. Because undoing the past is a very important thing. It's like we're creating a wall between us and God, you understand? Children, you know why everybody loves to look at children? Because their neshome shines out of their faces. They are fresh, they are godly. What happens over the years, we do a lot of bad things. We kind of, we stop becoming a reflection of God. And our faces, we don't see God. That's a problem. Then, tshuva, repentance, fasting. That after I stopped to do wrong things, that goes without saying. After that, I want to get back, came back to become back as close as I used to be. And I cried to myself, said, well, I used to be so excited about Yom Kippur, about Rosh Hashanah. And now I'm coming in like a machine. I lost the excitement. Look how kids are excited about the Jewish holiday. Sitting by the Seder, they are so excited. And the adults are sitting like this, like you forced them. What happened? They lost the connection. We want to regain the connection. That's what we want. We are the, gold, the good old days. We don't speak about the good old days in, in, in the world, or not necessarily such good old days. Because nobody wants to live 100 years ago, right? Or 200 years ago. That the good old days in a spiritual sense, that we want to. We are the good old days. We were closer to God. We were more in tune to God. We were more sensitive to spirituality. And now it's like a machine. That's what you're trying to gain back. Continue. Uh, who was you already? One second. Go ahead. No, 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 no. no. Well, you, you, read it? you read this I piece? Read first. No, the second one. No, I didn't read it yet. Then read it. <laughs> <laughs> repentance of Nineveh, level one. This is the difference between the repentance of Nineveh and the power of repentance that was given specifically to the Jewish people. The repentance of Nineveh was only effective from that point on, meaning that despite the fact that there had been a sealed decree that the city would be destroyed in 40 days, repentance was able to cancel the future decree. However, the higher level of repentance, rectifying the past, is reserved for the Jewish people only. That's the difference. They also have tshuva. They also, God doesn't want them to get hurt. They also can repent and God, because God wishes for them the, the best. For every human being, for every animal, the best of the best. But the idea of fixing the past this is only for the Jews. Erase the past like it would never happen. You can reach a level of tshuva, like it's all, you know, people try to get it off the record, like what it's, you know, the biggest job is in somebody, ah? Huh? Expulsion of the record or something? No, it's not expulsion. Expungement. Expungement, it's called, oh, you're a lawyer, you should know. <laughs> then you, you can, you, you can, the whole idea is people have it on the record, they cannot get the job, they cannot this, that you work so hard that they take it off the record. That's tshuva of the Jews. We want it off the record. That's what we want. There's a rabbi in New York, uh, Rabbi Schaefer, I think. He, he does the schmooze. And he, and, and he says it's like a videotape machine that, 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 that's in heaven, you know, it's in the Hashem has. And he says you're basically going backwards and erasing the, the record. You're you want to erase the record. the record. You have to erase the record by, by making the connection back. And that's what Shuva is all about. This Shuva is reserved for Jews.
Okay, but the question is, you coming for the climax of Yom Kippur, then you're going to the lowest level of tshuva. That should be the tshuva, the highest level, that I want to erase the past. Tshuva for my bad things, that I should get a good year. I did already in the month of Elul. We already done. Rosh Hashanah, attended the days of tshuva. Now, by the end of Yom Kippur, you're taking me back all the way to the bottom line? What is this? You're pushing me all the way back? You're treating me like you're treating Ninveh? That's a question. When I come all the way, I'm already so high. I fast that I'm so holy in my own eyes. I'm so righteous. I want to, to fix my relationship with God. God, I love you so much. Just like when I was three years old. And I was all excited about you. And I want to get excited back. And tell me, oh, we have something for you to tell you. Ninveh. At least from now on, you'll be good. It's a, it's a slap in the face. What is going on here? That's the question. Go ahead. At the conclusion of Yom Kippur, we wish to revoke all decrees, including those that have already been sealed. At this point, it is most relevant to learn from Ninveh. Even though the people of Ninveh were restricted by time and space and didn't have control over the past, they still had the ability to revoke a decree that had already been sealed. We focus on Ninveh because we need to assist even those Jews who haven't reached the level that enables them to completely change the past so that even for them the decree won't be implemented, even though it has already been sealed. Il Rebbe says something unbelievable. He says, yes, on the climax of Yom Kippur, on the highest level, a minute before Neilah, we're thinking about those people who are not there. We're going to the lowest common denominator, to the lowest level of tshuva, and we're including everybody inside. We're opening the door as wide as possible to bring in everybody. Yeah, you're so holy, you're fixing the past and you're this, but there are Jews who are not there. Then we read about the story of Nineveh. We say, you know what, God? Forget about fixing the past for all the Jews. There is one Jew in Yupetsland who is not on this level. Give him also a good year, just like Nineveh. Just give him a good year. Forget about his past, his fixing, his not fixing. We'll deal with that after Yom Kippur. Now, give everybody. Then on Yom Kippur, what, means, what, what is the highest level? The highest level is when I care for everybody. That's what the highest level is. You know, there is a story about the Baal Shem Tov. He came to the city of Bardichov and he built a sukkah. But he built a sukkah, you're from, from Bardichov? No, but we know. You know, you're close, Paul. Yeah. And then and he, he built a sukkah. And there was a city with many great scholars at that time. And they came and they told them the sukkah is not kosher. And they argue and argue the sukkah is kosher, the sukkah is not kosher. Then they found a note on the table, a piece of parchment. It's written, the sukkah of Israel ben Sarah, that was his name, Israel ben Sarah, is kosher. And signed a name of an angel. A miracle took place. That's the story. It's a known story that 300 years old goes on. Once the Rebbe spoke about it, he said, what is going on with the Baal Shem Tov? Why is to build a sukkah that's not for sure kosher? Then get, get all, the, all the rabbis in, in Berdichov, get, get an edge, add a fight with them, and prove them, and then he needs to bring angels to prove that this. What is this? He cannot build a sukkah like a man? Hmm. The Rebbe said something amazing. He said the Baal Shem Tov wanted to build a sukkah that even the most simple Jew build a sukkah that's barely kosher should be included. He wants to bring them in. He says, yeah, this sukkah is also kosher. 
not to try to, to segregate yourself and take, get out everybody who is not perfect is outside, throw him out. Just the opposite, to go to the lowest common denominator and to bring everybody in. And that's how we, we that's how, to open the door as wide as possible. As you mentioned, I think it was last week, I don't remember if you said it, no, you said in all the classes. The Baal Shem Tov once went, uh, went on, on, on the road, he was speaking to Jews, simple Jews. He told them, you know, they said, they don't know how to pray, they don't know anything. He said, just say, there is a verse in the, in the book of Psalms, it says, Ashrei Tifchar Vesekorev. Blessed is the person, um, fortunate is the person that God chooses him and brings him closer. That he says, Ashrei is an acronym for Amen Yei Shmei Rabba. He says, whoever says Amen Yei Shmei Rabba, God will choose him and bring him closer. And that's what the whole idea is all about. It's to, and that's why he says, and when would you keep him? By the highest moment of Neila, what do we do? We go to the lowest level of, of uh, tshuva. He said, bring everybody in. And interesting enough, you know, in Israel especially, all the Jews come to, to the synagogues and Neila. Here, people come for Israel. By the afternoon, they're already going to break the fest. It's too late. Six o'clock, Neila is eight o'clock, seven o'clock. It's too late mm-hmm. for them. But in, 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 it's interesting, every year we have, I see it every year, over the years, every year the numbers of people come to Neil is bigger and bigger and bigger. Because if they're already fasting, they want to do it right way. But in Israel, Neile, all in Kippur, they are too tired, it's too much for them to come to Shul. But in Neile, everybody comes to Shul. Then Neile, you're having actually so many Jews who are on the lowest level of Tshuva. And we include everybody. Therefore, the message of the Torah is not about the highest level of Tshuva we're going to visit. No, 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 no. The lowest level of tshuva. That's what it's all about. And it's an amazing, amazing lesson. Okay, uh, you want to read? Uh, where, where do we start? Um, the lesson we can uh, lesson learn from. There are those that ask, since they aren't on such a high level of spirituality, how can they be expected not to despair and maintain hope and firm faith that all of their affairs will certainly turn out uh, for, for the good? They know the truth about themselves, that they aren't on the level on which they can take control over the past and change it. That so, means to say, these people say they come to Shul for Neila and they say, well, well, can I really belong here? Did I really belong here? I'm so bad, I'm so this, I'm so yens. The story, go ahead. The story of Ninveh. Ninveh uh, teaches us the response to this. If even uh, the people of Ninveh could abolish uh, a sealed decree, we can uh, all certainly do so. He said, we tell, we tell the Jew comes from Nile, we read the story of Nineveh, we say, if Nineveh, the evil people can do tshuva, everybody can do tshuva. This, this kind of a thought can come only from a Rebbe who loves every Jew, that every Jew is like his child. And he thinks about those ones who feel lost, who feel they are not connected, God will never forgive me, God hates me, I was so bad the whole year. If Ninveh can do tshuva, you have a, you have a place to. But what's interesting was like concept, I never heard even that you're trying to, unseal, uh, to overturn 
seal decree like this is like i you know this yeah you, right. you can even try to do that that's the whole point of yom kippur i mean uh, when it's sealed that's it because by yeah. god because god yeah. is like our father even when you tell your child it's done it's sealed i'll never let you do it oh yeah <laughs> 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 you know. and that's okay okay she's crying so little, long little crying and that's it exactly we'll do it. that's exactly yeah. with god the same thing god is our father <laughs> we cry enough until he said okay 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 shine do it yeah. Does something to do with that, that? That the decree, for some reason, I thought I read somewhere once that yes, the decree is sealed um, at the close of Yom Kippur, but not really. Not really until Hoshana Rabbah. Yes, yeah, okay. it's the same idea. It's never, it's never too late. Yeah. There is still a way to turn things around. Thank you very much. Have a nice day.